0: Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Amen. I always feel like I've got to ask, even though you can hear me, I feel like I've got to ask, can you hear me? Is this thing on? It's just like a a go-to question with any microphone experience. Good. That's always a good start. It's lovely to see you. Always lovely to see your eyes. I look forward to, in a few months, seeing your nose and your mouths and your chins. <laughs> We're getting there. We're heading in the right direction. I'm glad it's. Uh, I can see your eyes. The eyes are the windows to the soul. Correct. A lot of power in the eyes, isn't there? I love. I love eyes. It's sometimes quite awkward having eye contact with people, depending on your experience. But there's a lot of. Um, a lot of power in the eyes and. There's a song that, that says, by Jen Johnson, actually, "When people look at me, I want them to see Jesus. I want to see the same compassion that Jesus had through me and through all of us, that when people look at, look at your eyes, look at who you are, they'd see Jesus in you. Amen. It's not what I was going to talk about, but it's a good start. It's a good start. So we've got a bit of time this morning. Most of you. It's not a bad start either, is it, really, honesty? Honesty is the best policy. And um, yeah, I just want to share a little bit about my recent journey over the last few weeks to the month, to a month. And to be quite honest with you, it's been really, really tough. It's been a really, really tough month. Maybe just a bit more. Not necessarily spiritually. In my experience spiritually, I, I feel like the more time you spend with Jesus in the Spirit, in terms of in worship, in the Word of God, and just... Spending time with Jesus in the spirit, it strengthens your spirit. So it's almost like when the storms of life come, your flesh is shaken, your emotions are shaken, your, sometimes your soul is shaken, but your spirit is quite sturdy. Does anybody, do you, do you know what I'm saying? And it's kind of like, because you know your spirit just is so rooted in the truth of Jesus. When storms come, actually, your, your spirit's okay, but actually, it's the rest of the things that get shaken. So for me, the last couple of months, just to give you a bit of context, I've, I've been incredibly insecure about my skin all my life. All my life. And if you can see my neck, and I won't show you the rest, don't worry, guys. Um, Not appropriate for a Sunday morning. Um, If you can see that, you can just see a little bit from from what started. And it started a couple of months ago, where I was laying in bed one day, and I decided I needed to come off topical steroid creams. And I've been on topical steroid creams my whole life, from a a toddler, basically just covering up eczema. And it started on quite a light dose, and then you basically, you're on the strongest dose, because it doesn't necessarily fix the problem long term. It's a quick solution. And if, if, you, if you're on them or can relate to them, it's, it's not fun, but it gets the job done. Nice little rhyme for you there. But it gets the job done. And I, I had a light bulb moment 28 years into my life where I actually needed to, to stop coming off them. And if, if you are on this, I w- this is my journey and I wouldn't recommend it. I'd recommend going through me- the medical route, but I actually I came off cold turkey. And I had no idea the ramifications of that after being on them for, for years and years and years. And the ramifications of coming off cold turkey is that your body just goes into uproar. And not just physically, but emotionally, um, and just in, in lots of different ways. And I, it's, So if some of the symptoms are fatigue, some of them are insomnia, and some of it is your body just going absolutely crazy. So rashes, bleeding, all this kind of stuff. It's not very pretty. And I had no idea what was going on, so it's so, so confusing. And then my wonderful wife found... Um, did a lot of digging on Google and actually found out this, what, it, what it sounded like I was going through, was a thing called topical steroid withdrawal, So, which is very common if you're coming off some sort of steroids. I won't go on for too long about this today, but basically that's what's been going on. And the, 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 the thing is, it's the biggest, my, two of my biggest insecurities have been my skin and the fact that I have no hair. So I lost my hair when I was 11 years old to alopecia, right? So when, when your skin and your, your hair is taken away from you or your skin is in uproar, you, your insecurity levels are through the roof, right? Through the roof. And, you know, I'm just trying to be as honest with you as possible here. So it hasn't been fun. And it's taken me back to places of my teenage years that I thought God had done I thought God had healed and I thought I, I was healed from. I thought I was done. And I, I am, I'm a pretty confident guy. I, I can stand by and testify to the grace of God how he has healed my heart how he has built me with confidence. He has filled me with identity. But equally, he's taken me back to places I didn't really want to go. And that's what me standing here today telling you, that this is okay. I'll never forget. I will, I will get into the word in a little bit. But I'll never forget one of the greatest lessons I ever learned in putting this into practice. About 2013, 13 years I'd been completely bald, completely hairless. And, and I, started, I started hearing God speak to me about just bringing, bringing the hair back and things like that. And I was like, yes, okay, yeah, by all means, Jesus, let's let's go. And I started seeing this played out. And I was in Africa, and I went to Jordan, and I, I, my eyebrows started to grow back. And you may think eyebrows, you know, I don't even remember, I recognise I've got eyebrows, but my eyebrows started to grow back. And I, I was in awe of myself. I looked in the mirror, and I was like, oh, look at this guy, look at these little eyebrows coming through. And it was such a redemptive relationship with the mirror, because my whole life I'd be like, no, I'm not looking in there, just stand away. But actually, I was like, I couldn't keep away from the mirror. <laughs> I was like, look at these guys coming through. Oh, look at those eyebrows. Cool, check me out. <laughs> and, and not only did I enjoy it, but I, it was like the voice of God was lining up with it. So it was even more exciting. And then I come back to the UK, and, I, and I'm, I'm in Weymouth going, this is probably about six months into the UK, starting working in, in Farnham. And, I, and I'm going through some, some, just, some deep inner healing. So that's a three-day thing down in Weymouth. And I, I wake up in the morning... And I, I see hair, hair over my pillow. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go again. And then my, my, initial, my initial reaction was to go back to being an 11-year-old boy, ready to go to senior school, and just have my heart drop, my heart sink, and be like, oh, crap. And I remember I had, I had a choice in that moment to be like, oh, here we go again throw my toys out the pram to an extent and just be like, oh, here we go, and just go back to that state of being an 11-year-old boy. But I had the choice there and then to that, in that moment back then to get up out of bed, to leave my bedroom, and on my way to where I was going, praise him along the journey and thank him along the journey and say, thank you, Father, that this doesn't define your goodness over my life, your promise over my life. Can we relate to this kind of stuff? You know, that his goodness is not based on our circumstances, what we go through. And for me, that was one of the big, big, best things I've ever learned. And it's a huge, if you're looking to go into deeper levels of maturity as a Christian, that's one way to develop maturity as a Christian. It's easy to praise and sing songs when life is going swimmingly. But can you do it and stand on his nature when things aren't going as well? That's a huge step in Christian maturity and being like, I trust you. I trust you. And it just amazes me, amazes me that we've got the perfect example, which is Christ, who endured the cross, tortured, bled, embarrassed, completely annihilated on the cross, and he still knew the goodness of his Father. He didn't let it waver. The goodness of his God. He knew that he knew that his Father was good, and that his love endures forever. You know, the enemy tries to feed us lies about the nature of God, doesn't he? And that's one thing we're going to unpack shortly, but he is the ultimate example that he could go through death and death on a cross and still remain rooted in the goodness of God and trust that Resurrection Sunday was coming. Let's read together Daniel 18 verse 15 if we can get it on. Actually a little bit after 15 actually but I don't know if you can get it on the screen but I'll read from here just for the sake of time. So Daniel has built a gold statue of himself probably as, as big as the shard okay, he's built a, a huge gold statue, and he said, everyone worship this golden statue, okay, if you don't, you're, you're toast, you're dumb, but Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, off they come, and in they come to the picture, and this is what it says, just after verse 15, Daniel 18, but if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. So the maturity that these guys walked in and were operating out of is that actually... He can completely deliver us. He can completely restore us. He can completely make a miracle out of this terrible, terrible situation where our lives are completely a threat. But, he says, even if he does not, we will not worship this God. We will still serve him. We will still honour him. We will still love his name and honour the name of Yahweh, honour the name of our, our, our God, of our ancestors. And it can be a bit like that in life, can't it? sometimes our prayers aren't answered sometimes we don't have all the questions sometimes the the things actually don't come through and we're like god we're, we're praying your will here we're praying for demons to be cast out we're praying for people to be healed we're praying for things to be restored and we we stand on the will of god in that the kingdom coming heaven on earth but actually what sometimes it doesn't happen does it but the maturity within that is trusting that either way his goodness isn't shaken are you with me let's continue reading Um, 22, the king's command was so urgent and and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. So it looks like God isn't coming through for them at this time, is there? But then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up that we threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth fourth looks like a son of the gods. The fourth looks like the son of God. The fourth looks like Jesus. Now, isn't it just the nature of Jesus to meet with us, meet with them in the midst of Craziness in the midst of fire, in the midst of pain. You look at the lifestyle of Jesus. He went and sat down in the dirt with people in the worst moments of people's lives. Isn't it amazing when Jesus turns up and comes and sits with him? He doesn't say, Come to me. You know, he doesn't doesn't expect people to get up. He comes and sits with people. He is the one that runs towards us, he's the one that sits with us. And isn't it such like Jesus to come and be with us in our pain, in our confusion? in the fires of life that surround us. And for so many of us, it can be a big stumbling block in our lives, discerning the nature of God when things aren't going quite so well, when things aren't quite going the way we expect them to. And so this morning, I want to really unpack briefly the nature of God in those times of trial, in those times of confusion, in those times of hurt, in those times of pain. 2 Peter, verse 3, 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says this. Okay, so we're going to unpack a little bit about the nature of God in, our, in these times. So 2 Peter 3 says this, 3 verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now the key line there is not he doesn't want anybody to perish. He doesn't want anybody to perish. And I believe this scripture is backed up by Ezekiel thirty-three eleven, when he says this. He's, so God is speaking to Ezekiel, and he says, Son of man, say this, you must say to them, the Lord God says, by my life. Okay, I can almost hear the urgency in God's voice here as he's speaking to Ezekiel. He says, the Lord says, by my life, I swear that I don't enjoy seeing people die not even evil people. I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so that they can live. This is, this is new revelation to a lot of people and even to myself because we, sometimes we read the Old Testament, we see our circumstances and we get this kind of picture of God rubbing his hands together and just chuckling in the background being like, do you know what I mean? And just having this, this false understanding of the Father's heart when actually I read the Old Testament nowadays and I just see the heartache of God in having to flood the earth. You know, he, he vowed to never do it again after he did that. Why? Because he doesn't enjoy seeing people die. He doesn't enjoy having to wipe out the earth with a flood. But sometimes, and in those times, evil was, was worse than we could ever possibly imagine. It's not surprising he didn't do it sooner. You've got the Canaanite people that, that God wiped out within the Old Testament. And he, 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 he was patient with them for 400 years and yet, you, you get people coming along and say, well, oh, why did God wipe out the Canaanites? That's a bit, you know, why, why do that? That's a bit mean, or whatever it may be. When actually, if you, do, if you do research into the Canaanite people, and part of me even didn't want to say this this morning, but if you look at what they were doing, they had a statue, a metal statue of a, a god called Molech. Okay, and he was like a goat kind of god, and he had his hands out like this. And what they were doing, the Canaanites, they would have child sacrifices. And what they would do, they would put the children on the hands of this God called Molech. And as the fire would burn, the statue would get hotter. And I'm not going to tell the rest of the story because you can imagine what it looks like. And yet people are surprised that God wiped them out. And yet it even says here that he doesn't enjoy wiping even evil people out. It is his heart that people will live. It is his heart that people will live life and life to the full. The heartache of God in situations in our lives in the Old Testament. I even think Solomon Gomorrah, the heartache of God, the heartache through it all. I don't think he enjoyed it for one minute and we know from this verse in Ezekiel and the verse in Peter that we know he doesn't and the nature of Jesus. And it's so vital that we understand the nature and the character of God in the times of trial, in the times of pain, and the times of suffering. And it's so vital for you and for me when we go through times. I love the fact that Jesus doesn't say, oh, get over it, you who are weary and heavy burdened. Get over it, come on. One foot in the front of the other, just keep moving on, just keep going. Get over it. Man up. And he doesn't say that, does he? He says, come to me. Come to me, all. And I'll give you rest. And this is this is revelation for us to continue to walk in and to mature in as, as Christians, because we cannot, again, we cannot base our understanding of God's goodness based on our circumstances. I love I love the story of of David. I think it's Ziklag. I want to say Ziklag when basically he's lost all his. He's lost all his children, he's lost his wives, they've lost everything. And it's just him and his mighty men left. And even his men want to take his life. They're done with him, they're done with David. They're they're done with him. And even his own trusted, closest people are on to him and want want to take his life. But You know, the verse in scripture says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. You know, you think about about the times when I've just thrown my toys out of the pram, when it hasn't gone the way I wanted. It's like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with this thing called faith, I'm walking away, I'm, I'm becoming, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just leaving church, I'm done, I'm finished, like, I'm not going to do it anymore. When actually the revelation of when things go wrong and when things go we should run too, to find more strength, to find that rest, to find that compassion, that empathy that flows from the heartbeat of Jesus. So many of us, and for my life for so long, I've got the, 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 um, the scripture in John 10 mixed up. You know, Jesus, you know, and actually that, that's, that's, a, that's a sin there to believe that the nature of God is, is, con, is, is within the hands of the enemy, is what the enemy's activity is. And actually, it's, it's a really vital thing that we have to stress that we don't get the hands of got the work of God and the work of the enemy mixed up. Are you with me? I think for us, as we, as we go through life, hard times are are, are, almost, are promised. You know, you read Matthew 24-7, I believe it is, of the things that are to come. You know, hard times aren't, you're not promised to not have hard times. And for me, it's discerning sometimes what's from the enemy and what, time, what is God is taking you through, because sometimes I believe that crushing can, can also bring power on the other side of it. I was jet washing my nan's patio the last week sometime, and I was just thinking, the pressure of the water brings great results. Do you know what I mean? And it's the same with wine. I'm sure Steve could tell you a bit about wine. But same with grapes. If you press them enough, you know the results are great. So sometimes we shouldn't wish away the crushing as well. Sometimes I believe God does take us into those, those times. And the pressure actually brings brilliant transformation and results for us, for you, and for me. And one thing I just want to end on is this, and if you haven't picked this up already, that he really wants to help you. And that's why he sent Jesus, but that still stands to this day. He really wants to journey with you. He really wants to be with you. And he doesn't just want to be your master. He doesn't just want to be your king. He doesn't just want to be your... Your, the, the great I am, El Shaddai, Yahweh enthroned on high. He, yes, he is all that. And it is vital that we stand and we operate out of the spirit of the fear of the Lord. We must, we must stand in that. But as well as all those things, he wants to be your friend. You know, my son Ezekiel, he, he, he's at the moment of just going in parks. And he's just like a social butterfly, just everywhere. Just wants everyone to play with him. And one thing that's really hit me recently, we at Oakley Park. And he runs up to this, this little girl. And then he runs, he, he runs up and he points back at me and he says, that's my friend daddy. That's my friend daddy. And, and the reality is, I am his dad. And I'll always be his dad. But even if I disappeared at his birth, I'd still be his dad. But I'm not just his dad, I'm his friend. And it was such an honour to be, that's my friend daddy. Shouting it at the playground. And that's exactly what it's like. He is all those things and more. And it is his good pleasure to help you and it's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, but wrong mentality of the nature of of, of Jesus, the nature of God, especially when our circumstances look like he's nowhere to be found. So within our circumstances of trials, of, of hurt, of confusion, of fire, You know, we we stand upon the goodness of God and we trust that He is good and His love endures forever. Even if we don't understand, even if it doesn't make sense, we choose to stand on the scripture, which is the truth of all all the universe. The word was before the world, so we don't stand on the world, we stand on the word. Okay, the world will soon pass away. So there's a revelation there. And when you receive revelation, just a little side note for you. I love a side note, is a revelation isn't just information. When you receive revelation, it affects your, your mind, your heart, your soul, your entire being. It's not just information for you. When you receive revelation, and the Bible talks about the Spirit, okay, you can read that in uh, Ephesians and you can read it in Isaiah nine. But when you receive revelation, it's not just information, but it just affect, It affects your mind, it affects your heart, and it's something that you just you just absorb. Of the heart of, of the heart of Jesus, as we're going through times of trial and confusion, it will change everything. And that's, one, that's been the saving grace for me recently in these, these times. Where I'll, just, I'll just close my eyes and I'll just see Jesus just cheering me on. Just cheering me on and saying, you're doing so well. And that's got me through and my amazing wife, of course. And just as I want to end, I want to I give you another bit of revelation that I've already unpacked a little bit today. And it will change, I guarantee it will change the way that you do quiet time, if you want to call it quiet time. Sometimes make it quiet. Sometimes I like it to be loud time. Sometimes you've got to sing. You've got to worship. You've got to roar a little bit. So just a little bit of revelation. If you've been struggling in your, your quiet time or whatever it may be, understand this. He wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. You know, religion tells you, okay, the prodigal son, religion tells you that he'll only run to you and give you a ring and a robe. If you do this, you do that, you say this, you say that, or he'll only move powerfully through you if, you if you behave a certain way, if you've been to church a million times and all this kind of stuff. Religion says, oh, he'll run as soon as he's done all that stuff. But you know what grace says? Grace says, I run because I love him. And I, I honestly believe that even if the, the son did, just came home to pick up his wallet, the father would have ran. He would have ran and embraced him and said, I love you. I love you. Welcome home. Come and have a party. That's what grace is. There's nothing that you or I could do. So every time, I believe that every time you go to have quiet time or you, whatever you, you approach the throne of grace in, in some way, shape, or form, I believe the Father runs. Because again, we can't base our circumstance, our, our, the goodness and the nature of God on our circumstances. For years, I remember being so frustrated that going into quiet time. I'd pump myself up. I'd just I'd get in the holy position and be like, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Here I am. You know, and I'd be, and I was getting so frustrated after about twenty minutes because nothing was happening. I'm like, "What's going on?" And the first thing he was like, "Well, read your Bible." I was like, "Okay, good one. Yeah, I do need to. Do, do, I could probably hear you through that. Yep. Okay, learned that lesson." And number two, I was, I was under the complete wrong understanding that actually it was more about me pulling him in rather than him actually wanting to be with me. For those that are able, can we stand? Is that all right? And if you want to respond to any of this, I just invite you to put your hand on your heart. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to move in power this afternoon. Because the kingdom of God is all about power. It's all about moving. And if lives aren't being transformed, bodies aren't being healed, revelations are being received, we're not doing something right. Let's pray. Holy Spirit. We thank you that you're here, Lord. We thank you that you're in each and every one of us in this place. And right now, Father, we ask you just to go deep within our hearts, Lord, to bring fresh revelation about the nature of your heart. That when we go through fire, when we go through times of trials and confusion and pain and heartache, Father, that we know you are right by our side. You are there in urgency to journey with us, to hold us, to cheer us on, to be with us. Holy Spirit, I ask you, in this moment right now, there will be a dramatic shift in how we see you. That there will be such deep Jesus encounters, such deep Holy Spirit encounters over each and every one of you that you won't even want to leave. That you'll want to stay in that place constantly. Holy Spirit, we, we give you our hearts, we give you our minds, we give you all that we are. We don't deserve the gift that you give us, but we receive it by faith, we receive it by grace. Come, Holy Spirit, from how we came in, by the power of heaven, by the power of your Spirit. Amen.